Praise God. Amen. Welcome to everyone tonight. And especially if you're a guest, we welcome you tonight as a part of this service. Thank you for being here. So glad to have you with us tonight. If you're watching us online, wherever you're joining us from, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight as well. Pray that you are blessed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I am not here tonight to preach per se. I'm here to share and uh, communicate what I believe is God's direction for us as a congregation. If you would switch my iPad on the screen, please. Several years ago, it's probably was at least a couple of years before my wife and I left Arnold the first time when we were leading and the transitions took place. It was at least a couple of years, I'm pretty sure, before that, that the Lord impressed this passage of Scripture on my heart. And I felt like at that point in time, it was for then and there. Over the last couple of years, in fact, it was several years ago now, but for a while we had this as a theme. We had verses up on the wall. It's been several years ago now that Brother Glenn Middleton came to me after a service one night and said something along the lines of, these verses were not something God had given me to do and then just move on to something else, but they were supposed to be more so a uh, theme, if you will, for me to live by. So I want to start with this passage this evening as the sort of the launching point of where we'll go the remainder of this evening. Isaiah 54, verse number 1, the Scripture says, Sing... O barren that didst not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, thou that didst not travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. And these next two verses are particularly the two verses that my attention was drawn to, and I have not been able to get away from, not that I'm trying to, but it's these next two verses. The Lord says, enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. He says to enlarge your habitation, and then he says, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. And the next verse says what will be the result of enlarging your tent, lengthening your cords, strengthening your stakes. You shall break forth on the right hand and on the left. And thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. So there are processes that God has established that He has promised, if you will do this, this will happen. I remember in high school we had 
I think it was like my junior year of high school, I was a part of ACS, and we had someone come in and was teaching a an elective class, a computer class, and they taught us some basic programming. Not, not programming that was basic, but basic was the program, the language. And one of the things we had to learn how to to, to uh, program was if-then statements. If this, then that. And the Bible has if-then statements. If you will do this, then this will happen. I, I think one of the most common ones or one of the most notable ones is found in Second Chronicles 7.14. The Lord says, if my people which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, will turn from their wicked ways, if they will seek my face, then, if you will do this, then I will do that. The problem is, a lot of times, the process of the if is not all that exciting. It's not all that entertaining. And we like to try to jump to producing stuff. And so it has been my goal of leadership and ministry for several years now to try to be true to establishing the process because if we can establish the process, God says, I will do this. If you'll do this, you won't have to make this happen. If you'll do this, you won't have to manufacture that. If you will do this, this is what is going to be the automatic result. And so my desire, my burden, my burden, whatever that is, my burden, my goal, that's a goal and a burden combined. My burden is (laughs) to find God's process and stick with God's process. Anybody here ever planted anything? Grass, vegetables, anything. You've ever... Depending what you've planted, you will see nothing for days, weeks, even possibly months. But assuming all the conditions are correct, you do not worry about what's happening. You know, if I put the seed in the ground, if it gets water, if the soil is right, and if the rain, if the rain falls and the sun shines, there is going to be a product from the seed. That is a God created process. So where I believe we are and where we want to go is, God, what is your plan? What is your way? How do you want us to get there? I want to say this before I continue. How many of you were at call to war on the first night when Bishop read the questions that he sent to the three senior elders of Antioch to answer? Can I see the hands of those that you were there? If you weren't there and you're interested in what those were, go watch the first night of call to war. It was fairly early in the evening, if I remember correctly, that there were questions, there were seven questions that were asked of us, 
So I want you to know, any of you that remember those questions or if you choose to go watch and hear those questions, what I am about to share with you for the next little while has been presented to the Antioch Executive Council and their approval from Bishop and the rest of them has been given on what I'm about to share with you tonight. I feel like it is extremely important that you understand that. You need to know that everything I'm about to share with you has been given approval as an answer to those seven questions. Amen. So, that being said, let me give you a little more history here. 2005, December 18th of 2005, I was ordained senior pastor of Antioch, the Apostolic Church. I believe it was that same week that I left here and went to Columbus, Ohio to attend a dedication service, some dedication events for Brother William Sisko and his church in Columbus, Ohio. I think I was there one night, maybe two. So one or two mornings I was there. I'm pretty sure I was there one morning. And as I was waking up, I felt like the Lord began to impress something on me and I wrote it down. I shared it in Arnold prior to us leaving in 2009 to travel around on Sunday mornings. I communicated it some, and again I felt like I assumed I thought it was something for then And once we changed the focus of our ministry, I forgot about it, sort of let it go. Over the last several months now, actually probably even going back as far as last year after the changes that have been made with the starting of Antioch West and some of the other changes that have taken place in the last year, I began to think about this again and I kept, for a variety of reasons, I kept kind of pushing it out of my mind, just trying to ignore it. I believe it was about six or eight weeks ago with a group of brethren one Sunday evening, we got together and were just talking for a little bit in in light of a conversation that I had had with Brother Grossbach, and we were talking about vision, and I shared this with them, but again, was not really making any kind of commitment to it, I was just kind of throwing it out there. And then after Bishop gave us the seven questions that he wanted us to answer as congregation leaders for each of the three congregations, I came back to this again and I finally decided that I believed God had given it to me then and it was actually for now. And so as we went into that meeting that day to present, to share what we had, what I'm about to share with you is something God gave me about 12, almost 12 years ago. In a couple of weeks from now, it will have been 12 years ago that I believe God gave this to me. And I believe this is what we are going to adapt, adopt, if you will, as our focus of where we're going and how we're going to get there. I hope 
There's none of you tonight that start twitching when you see an, when you see an acronym. Because if you do, go ahead and start twitching, because I'm about to give you an acronym. I've been around a few government folks that are not crazy about acronyms, and so my apology, but I will tell you, again, I was not sitting down one day trying to brainstorm something. It was in the fog of waking up that I got out a pen and a piece of paper and I began to write this down as I felt like the Lord gave it to me. I must say that over the last couple of weeks, and especially as I started going through it in light of the meeting and preparing for the meeting to share what I felt like the direction was for us as a congregation I was kind of surprised how much God knows what He's doing. Because as I began to go through it, it really did seem to answer the questions that were posed, and it felt like it was the direction. So the theme, if you will, is thrust into the promises. Thrust into the promises. And in a few moments, I'm going to go through what each of these letters stands for based on what God gave me. Let me just give you a little bit of context, a little bit of science here before we get there. There are four forces that affect things that fly. One is weight. It is the force of gravity. It acts in a downward direction toward the center of the earth. The second is lift. Lift is the force that acts at a right angle to the direction of motion through the air. Lift is created by differences in air pressure. Thirdly, there is drag. Drag is the force that acts opposite to the direction of motion. And then there is thrust. And thrust is the force that propels a flying machine in the direction of motion. So in essence, thrust is what overcomes the weight, the lift, and the drag. Thrust is what pushes beyond those forces. Drag, again, is the force that acts opposite to the direction of motion. So let me give you a spiritual context of drag, what acts in opposition to who we are and what we are. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 16 and verse number 18. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so the drag that operates against the church is the kingdom of darkness. But you and I tonight have the promise that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The light shines in darkness and darkness comprehends it not. There is no force of opposition that is greater than the power that resides within you and I. Weight again is gravity that pulls down and so let me give you weight in this context. Romans 5 and verse 20 
Weight seems more like a natural carnal thing to me. So Romans says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we all battle the weight of flesh that tries to pull us down to this earth. But grace doth much more abound. Thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory. So the power of God, the Spirit of God is able to propel you and I individually against the opposition that we face And the power and the Spirit of God is able to propel us against the opposition that we face collectively. So I believe God has given us direction to be thrust into the promises that He has given to us. It's one thing when you go to pray and you you don't have a word and you don't have a promise. And you're just asking based on your faith and your hope and your confidence. But it's a whole different thing when you go to prayer and you've got a word from God that you know came from God that you are able to use as the weapon when you go to prayer because you're not just asking God for something, but you are using the weapon of the rhema that God has given you. If you've got a promise for the salvation of a child, for a salvation of your child, you're not going and just asking God to do it, but you're going to prayer and you're saying, God, you promised and you're telling the enemy, I've got a word from God that is going to happen. You've got a promise for God to use you. You're not just going to pray and ask God to use you. But you're going to declare, God, I've got a word. You said you're going to do something through my life. You're going to do something in my life. And so I'm not just dropping pennies in the wishing well of faith. But I'm declaring the promises and the word that you have given to me. Because you cannot lie. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like preaching a little bit. So here we go. Thrust into the promise. The first T stands for training saints for ministry. The second stands for helping one another. R, reaching the lost. U, uplifting Jesus through prayer and worship. S, serving the community. And T, teaching principles for life. I'm going to go through communicate some things with regards to each one of these. It just so happened that the first question that we were asked to answer is, how, what are you going to do as a congregation to fulfill the commandment of Ephesians 11, excuse me, Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12? What are you going to do to equip? I realize half of this congregation probably can't read what's up there, so my apologies for that, but... We'll start handing out binoculars when I use PowerPoints. (laughs) So training saints for ministry. Our goal is to get people from the crowd into the core, the nucleus. We want the crowd to become committed and then become a part of the core. 
We want those that just show up to a service or show up to a ministry event, show up to a care group or those that you witness to on the street. That's the crowd. But we want them to become a part of the body because everybody's supposed to get in the body. And the awesome thing is there is a place for everyone in the body. God does not create any spectators. God does not create anybody for the sole purpose of being a spectator, but a participator. The goal is to help you find your place. Find your, you have a place. You have a place. Every person sitting here tonight, breathing and listening, has a place. You have a place. Your place is not simply to be a participant or show up to an event or a service. You have a place in the kingdom of God. Another goal, another goal is to identify those with an apostolic gifting. What do I mean by an apostolic gifting? That is someone that's been called by God to go and start something, if you will. Where I believe, let me rephrase that, I believe that at Antioch Central, I mean this, I do not mean this disrespectfully, so understand the context of how I'm about to say what I'm about to say, but I believe that somewhere here, Brother you, there's another Chester Wright. That just like Chester Wright was sent to Annapolis, Maryland to start this church, there's some Chester Wrights in this place that it's God's will to send you someplace. I believe there's some Jerry Statons at Antioch Central that God's hand is on your life to send you to go. That God has equipped you and gifted you to go where there's not something and to start something. Not everybody's gifted to do that. I just said it this evening to a few brethren. I don't know if I should say it publicly or not, but I will. I think, I, I think if I absolutely had to, I think I could go to some city that didn't have a church and start a church. I think I could. I think I could because there's principles. If you follow those principles, they'll... So if that's what I had to do, I, I suppose God could do that through me. But I got to tell you, when I evaluate myself and I look at my giftings and abilities and personality, that's not what I'm called to do. I'm doing what I was called to do. I'm where I was gifted to be. And so there are those that are gifted to go as pioneers where there is nothing and start something. But there's others like me that you may not have that gifting, but there's still a purpose and a place. And so the burden is to find, help you find your place and identify your place and I long for the day when somebody comes and says, Brother Wright, I, in fact, I'll back up. Let me, I'll just bow, give you a perfect example. 
for several years. I hope y'all aren't in a hurry because I'm not going to try to drag it out, but I gotta, I gotta communicate what I need to communicate. For several years, I've had a burden for us to start a new ministry, a new daughter work, whatever, in two locations. One of them was Crofton and the other one was Glen Burnie. And we've talked about it and I've prayed about it and it just didn't quite happen. And next thing you know, it took probably a couple of months actually before it dawned on me. Hey, we got a daughter work in Crofton now. And if I remember, I, I don't quite have the memory of my dad with his photographic memory of moments and places, but there are a few things I have like that. But if I'm not mistaken, if I remember it correctly, at men's conference 2016 in Salisbury, Maryland, at the end of one of the services, if I'm not mistaken, Brother Ellenberger, you came to me and started the conversation, I believe. Brother Ellenberger began to talk about his burden and vision for what God was going to do in Glen Burnie. So here we are, a year later, a preaching point that has been established and the great majority of the load of that preaching point has been carried by Brother Ellenberger. He's, this is how you know when somebody is sent by God versus people you ask to go. Without a title, without a position, he has organized outreach. Without a title or a position, he has organized prayer walks. Without a title or a position, he has, and I mean this in a very positive way, bombarded me with emails of vision and direction. I mean that very positively of what he feels and sees and believes. That's somebody to me that God is sending. You see, when when somebody's not being sent, but you're trying to get them to go, they want to know, what's my title? What's What do I get out of it? What can I expect as the benefits? But I wonder, where's the next person that's going to say, Brother Wright, we, we, I got a burden for Edgewater. We got to reach Edgewater, Brother Wright. Where, where's the next person that's going to say, Brother Wright, we, we got to reach Pasadena. I, I just can't get away from, from a burden for Pasadena. And, and, and where are you with an apostolic gifting to be sent? I'm going to say it again. I believe, and part of it's timing, but I believe, it's, I believe that in this congregation, I believe that in this place tonight, whether you've already know it by God dealing with you or if He hasn't started dealing with you yet, that there are people in this place that God is going to send. And so the goal of training for ministry is to train you for your place in ministry. Your place. I don't want you to respond outwardly. I don't want you to raise your hand or anything. I, I just want you to internally. In. How many of you tonight, you'd have to say, Brother Wright, I just really don't know what my place is. I don't want no hands, no hands. Good, but I have a feeling, maybe I should have hands because some of you think you're alone. You think I'm the only one that doesn't know and there's probably, I wouldn't be surprised if there was 50% or more of the people sitting here tonight that if I ask you to raise a hand that would say, Brother Wright, I really don't know my place in ministry. That's a part of the process. The process is helping you find your place in ministry and equipping you for that place in ministry. 
Because every person here tonight is a minister. So the approach, and for lack of a better word, the distribution, our approach, as we've already started with Antioch U, is going to be a structured side and an organic side. By organic, I'm not talking Whole Foods or Trader Joe's organic. What I mean by that is something that more naturally evolves. It's, I'm going to, well, I'll save that. And distribution is twofold. Live, there are some things that you need to be sitting and catching the spirit of the person that's communicating. You need to be feeling what they're saying. You need to catch their spirit. There's other things that are extremely important to learn and be trained in that you can sit and watch a video or listen to a tape. A tape. (laughs) What's a tape, right? Sorry, I'm, I'm on the fringe. <laughs> I'm not a millennial. <laughs> but there are other things that, but some kind of digital format <laughs> that you can watch or listen to, that you can get what you need, but it's not quite as critical that you catch the spirit of somebody. How are we going to do this? A lot of this is already being done, but we will continue more on purpose. We're doing Antioch U. We will continue with Antioch U on Thursdays. Beyond, beyond is something we're going to be starting in the near future. I have not finalized the time yet, but that's going to be a once a month setting where I will do some teaching and ministry on things that I feel like God is dealing with me. I will tell you, it will be things, it will be topics, I will communicate things in a way that I will probably never communicate from this pulpit. I will say things plainer and straighter in that setting that I would say from this pulpit. I believe we we are not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel. I believe we should say whatever God wants us to say. But I also believe we have a weight of responsibility to be wise. And there are some things that a mature believer needs to hear that a new believer is not ready to hear. And then one-on-one. And one-on-one kind of fits in the organic part of this. And one-on-one is things like Brother Mike you does so absolutely effectively with a lot of the a lot of the young young adult men in this church where he has spent who knows how many hours and how many hundreds of dollars on good meals I'll let you mentor me brother you It's not a it's not a structured organized curriculum setting it's a one on one And there's a bunch of you that God wants you to be involved in something like that. Brother, I think Jalen, somebody said it earlier. Maybe didn't somebody talk about, ah, Sister Christine, I'll get there. Take me a few moments, but I'll get there. It's it's some of you, I'll, I'll say it this way, it's some of you better folks. Not taking the wisdom and experience to the grave with you. But transmitting. 
taken the mantle that you've sacrificed and lived for that God has given you and passing that on to somebody else. So it's all of these components are the way in which we will continue training saints for ministry. Every believer should be trained for ministry. Hello. If you're sitting here tonight and you do not know what your ministry is, your place is, there is a ministry and a place. And I believe finding that out is twofold. I really do. There's a part of finding that out that is on you. But there's also a part of finding that out that is on us to help you. Because you are sheep. We are sheep. And sheep need to be led. And so that is the first component of what I believe God is giving us as the direction to do. The next is helping or ministering to one another. First and foremost, this is done through a care group setting. Notice, please, where it says multiple venues. I believe Brother Ben Kimbrell is Antioch Central Care Group Coordinator. He and I have talked several times now. And I feel like, and I feel like God has given him some direction that is confirming this, that we need to expand our mentality of maybe not necessarily what a care group is, but I do think we need to expand our mentality of where a care group is. That it's more so about the purpose than it is about the setting. Meaning, why can't a couple of people get, a, get together at City Dock? Why can't a couple people get together at some other setting? You know, one of our biggest challenges with Care Group is most of you aren't willing to open up your home until Jesus comes. I don't fault, I don't fault you for that. That wasn't intended to be a slight or a dig. What Really, it wasn't. Like, I don't want to commit my house every week until now and I die. The goal is to make sure we've got personal connections that are taking place. Because there, are, there, is, there is a level of personal connection that can never take place in a church setting. It's things like ministering to our shut-ins, those that aren't able to get to church. It's things like men, meal ministry. How many of you have ever weathered through uh, the birth of a child or through a sickness or something? How many have ever been blessed by meals? We have. It's almost worth having another child just to get some of those meals. Anyway. I want you to I want you to I want you to see something here. I want you to see something. Y'all all right? We doing okay? All right. I, I came across this a couple of weeks ago. How many of you ever had a verse, you, you've, you know you've read it, but then you read it again and it's like, whoa, I never... 
Yeah, that's a great experience. L- listen to this. Listen, since you can't read. Listen. First <laughs> Corinthians 16 and 15 says this. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia. And look at this next phrase. Look at this next phrase. And that they have addicted themselves to what? They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They are addicts to ministering to the saints. That you submit yourselves unto such, and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus. For that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. And then verse 18, he says this, For they have refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. Paul says, take note of those that are addicted to the ministry of the saints that are refreshing my spirit and others. Acknowledge them for who and what they are. I believe there's some people in this room tonight that you are almost addicted. And I'm here tonight to tell you, go ahead and jump in. That's, that's kind of, Brother Johnson, what we talked about the other day that you do. He was, he was endorsing, if you will. The Living Bible says, verse 18, this way, They have cheered me greatly and have been a wonderful encouragement to me, as I am sure they were to you too. I hope you properly Appreciate the work of such men as these. The Message Bible, they've refreshed me by keeping me in touch with you. Be proud that you have people like this among you. There are people in this room tonight that you have been given the God, you have, you have a God-given gift and ability to know how to go up to somebody and speak a word of encouragement. Speak a word that brings, in, that brings life. Speak a word that brings hope. That is your place. Am I, am I misreading? Hello? I, I hope, I hope not, not everybody, because some of you need to leave here tonight going, oh. But I hope there's some folks that would walk out of this sanctuary tonight and do this. You, you mean what I love to do? You mean what I enjoy doing could very well be what God has created me to do? Look, look, look at this. Let me give you a couple more verses here. Look at Paul, Romans fifteen twenty five. But now I go to Jerusalem. What are you going there for, Paul? To minister to the saints. 2 Corinthians 8, 4. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering 
to the saints. Hebrews 6 and 10, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed to who? Get your phones out, get your devices out, get your Bibles out, because you can't read mine. That you have shown to the saints in His name, that you have ministered to the saints, and do minister 1 Peter 4.10, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold, of the manifold grace of God. I believe there's some people here tonight that this is, this is where you fit. This is your God-given gifting and ability. It's our job to help better train you and equip you in this area if you need it. But I pray there's some people here tonight that would get addicted. Get addicted. Hallelujah. We okay? All right. Next, and this really is, this is why we're here, folks. If we don't do this, we have no business existing. Reaching the lost. How do we, how will we continue to do that? First and foremost, personal evangelism, home Bible studies. Our greatest need, I believe, our greatest need right now is revival. Please understand, I did not say harvest. I said revival. Harvest has to do with sinners getting saved. Revival has to do with you and I as believers getting revived. David said it. I've used this a couple of times lately. David said it in Psalm 51 and verse 12. In his prayer of repentance over his sin of adultery, he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. That, I think you could call that revival. I think that's revival. What is revival? Reviving. The restoring of the joy of his salvation is reviving. And look what David says is going to be the result of his reviving. Then will I teach transgressors your way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. If you and I will get revived, souls will be reached. I used her this morning, I'll use her again tonight. I forget which message it was recently, but Sister Day came up to me and said, Brother Wright, I, when I got the Holy Ghost, when I got baptized and got the Holy Ghost, I went and told people about it. Well, you know why she went and told people about it, because they stopped her before she left the building and gave her a class on her responsibility of reaching the lost. No, she got excited about what was done. She got excited about what had happened. And the result of that was, I'm going to go find somebody else that needs to hear what it is Jesus has done in the context of what Bishop has been saying. Not go tell somebody and get them to come to church, but go tell somebody about what Jesus has done for you and what He can do for them. I 
25, we're just counting it, it's almost 25 and a half years, almost, this month will be 25 and a half years of marriage. 25 years of marriage, 25 years of marriage. I would venture to say that probably 85%, maybe a little more, but I would venture to say that 85% of those 25 years, I have woken up every morning and looked at the same female. Twenty, this one. <laughs> Twenty-five years. Twenty-five years she's been in my bed every morning. And I've had to look at... Huh? I said probably more, but I, I've traveled a few times. Excuse me for a moment while I make sure I'm not in trouble. I, I've, been, I've been a lot of places by myself traveling, so I wasn't in the bed with you. But I was by myself. <laughs> okay, we're good now. All right. Praise God. <laughs> Try this again. So 25 years, I have had the same female in my bed. Surely I need to go get another female. Uh, no. If for some reason she starts getting old to me, I need to go back to my first love. I don't need to get rid of her. And I don't need to get rid of marriage. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. If my marriage is not where it needs to be, I don't need another marriage. I need to rekindle my marriage. If there's some things in my walk with God that I should be doing that are getting old, I don't need to do away with what I should be doing. I need to rekindle the flame and the fire. you will restore me, I will go and do and tell. That'll be the result of what I do. Won't have to be forced into it. Won't have to be guilted in. We, we've done, I've been in, I've, I've led them. We, we did, before I left Arnold, we did that. How many of you were here when they did it at the warehouse? The blue team, red team, gold team, some of y'all were here. We, we did something kind of similar, and we, we were in the smaller part of this building. We had like four teams. Man, we had guests like crazy. We had people that weren't faithful to church that were bringing the most guests. We had people that hardly came to church that got on a team and got fired up because there was going to be a prize. Contest ended. Guess what? They don't bring people to church anymore. 
They haven't brought a guest since. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of trying to manufacture what should be produced by the Spirit. So first and foremost, we continue to reach the lost by our personal witness and testimony and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We continue to do things, but we call it semantics, if you will. But we continue to do organized outreach, not as a way of making up for not doing something, but as a supplement. Bishop talked about sowing seed. We need to sow seed. If, we're, if the only outreach that's being done is when we do organized outreach, we got a major problem. That's got to be a supplement to you and I as witnesses. You and I as examples and testimonies to those we come in contact with. Evangelism events such as block parties, again, providing us opportunities to reach people that we may not normally have a chance to reach, but as a supplement, not as the focus or the sole means. We will continue as a congregation to use preaching points and daughter works as we continue to expand. I know we've got three, I think it is, daughter works that for a variety of reasons are back here on Sunday mornings. That's not the goal. That's not the plan. We cannot impact. We are, we are called to impact Anne Arundel County. I said we. Antioch Central is called to impact Anne Arundel County. Antioch Central's called to impact Ken Island and the Eastern Shore. Antioch Central's called to have an impact in PG County. Antioch Central's called to have an impact in Calvert County. Antioch Central's called to have an impact in Baltimore. Not just Antioch North. We can't do that from here. That's why we need people with an apostolic gifting to go out. Antioch is called to impact College Park in Washington, D.C. Not taking away from those who are already there, but you and I are called to do it as well. This next one is not intended to be something trite and sort of, yeah, whatever, but I've got the verse on there. It's not the primary context, but I believe the principle applies. Jesus said, if I be lifted up I will, from the earth, I will draw men unto me. We don't start a service. We don't start a care group. We don't start a chosen evangelistic service with singing because that's what we do as a ritual or a habit. The psalmist said, I will enter His gates with thanksgiving and I will enter His courts with praise. And singing is one of the means by which we give thanks and give praise to enter the presence of God. We must have a spirit of worship. We must have liberty in our worship. We must have liberty in our praise. We must never stop being a demonstrative church in our worship. We must never become reserved and dignified in our worship and just 
offer a nice little patty cake or put up the funnel to suck in everything God has. But we still need those that get lost in the Holy Ghost. We every now and then we need some ladies that the Holy Ghost hits them. And you got bobby pins flying everywhere out of your hair. And you got hair getting messed up and guys that got ties getting twisted up and thrown out of the way. We still got to have that. We still got to be able every now and then at least to be accused of being drunk. Not drunk as you suppose, but we're drunk on the new wine. So prayer, praise and worship, prayer. We are in the process of implementing some new things with regards to prayer, to organize prayer for Antioch Central. You will be hearing more about that in the coming weeks. But we must, we, what I don't, for those of you that have been able to be a part, what a great flow of the Spirit of God we've had here the last several Sunday evenings, starting at 5.30 as many of us come together to begin to pray. There's something that happens when two or three of us gather in His name. There's something that happens when two or three of us come together to pray. And so there's some things we're going to be doing as more of a focused, consistent effort. There are people in this room tonight that you know how to pray. Hopefully everybody knows how to pray, but what I mean by that is you know how to intercede. You know how to get a hold of God for people and needs. We need you to do that. So we are going to be communicating in the next couple of weeks some things that, again, that we're going to be doing. We're going to continue for the foreseeable future at the very least. Those of you that want to join us at 5.30 on Sunday evenings, we're, getting to, we're, we're not having meetings like I've had in the past with elders and things like that. We're coming in here to pray. The S is for serving the community. Let me say some of you are blessed to not really be aware of this. I know that over the last several years there's been this idea, probably not several years, more than that of a of this kind of social gospel. But I've got the verse there, James one twenty seven. Jesus said, or excuse me, James said, the Lord said through James, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Some of these things that you see on this list, they're not just for us to feel good about ourselves. There are this verse and there's others. He said, I was sick and you visited me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and you came to see me. They said, Lord, when did we do that? He said, when you did it to the least, you did it to me. We've done things in the past in some of these areas we need to continue. I am hoping and believing as we continue to move forward that there are people in this place tonight that some of these things on this list are a burden of yours that we can help facilitate. Sister Day, I'm picking on you tonight, Sister Day. Sister Day emailed me the other day something she's done in the past and has a burden to do again, writing letters to veterans and people that are incarcerated and some other types of people that would be benefited by that. That falls under this category. Maybe somebody here tonight, you've got something God's been dealing with you about, and you're like, well, that, that doesn't fit the category of ministry. 
My hope is that your mind would be expanded to accept whatever it is God may want you to do. Celebrate recovery or something along these lines. I have a burden for us to get back involved in some kind of, of, of uh, addiction recovery ministry. There are churches that have a ministry set up that the courts send people to them. Brother Shelton has told stories about when he pastored in Louisiana and they would do a, a, I don't know if it was Celebrate Recovery, but something along these lines in their building and the same night they'd have a prayer meeting going on in the prayer room and people would walk out of the, the addiction recovery meeting and hear people in the prayer room and they'd go in there and people would walk in there and end up leaving with the Holy Ghost. It's my understanding, some of you can probably speak to this much better than I, but it's my understanding that there are several places in our area that we are responsible for reaching that have some of the highest drug issues in our nation. We've got the answer, folks. We've got the answer. And the answer is not coping. The answer is deliverance through Jesus Christ. Kids' ministry, things that take place, the Browns and their team, what they're doing kind of falls under a couple of categories. It falls under evangelism and outreach, but really some of the things they're doing and we're trying to do to impact these lives fall under this category as well. The last T. This is not redundant. So please let me explain. Teaching principles for life. I have verses on here that I just taught from on Thursday night. I will read them again quickly. In 1 Timothy 3, chapter 2, Paul says, A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, nor striker, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? And so teaching principles for life is about teaching us the principles that we need to live by on a daily basis because as I've taught Thursday night and many other times, it is not the will of God for you to have some powerful ministry in your daily life, your home, your family, to be absolutely whacked out. It's not the will of God for you to be a great soul winner and have a marriage that's on the rocks. It's not the will of God for you to be a great preacher and have kids that hate your guts. It's not the will of God for you to be used greatly by God and have to file bankruptcy. So the first T is about more so about ministry training and equipping. It's about the specifics that relate to ministry and teaching you things that are principles of ministry. But this is about teaching you the things you need for daily living. There is no man, there's no, let me back up, there's no husband in this place tonight that should ever reach the point that you feel confident you have arrived and there's no room for improvement. 
There is no wife that should ever feel like you have arrived and you have reached the place of being the perfect wife and there's no room for improvement. There is no parent that has ever reached the place of perfection. I believe we as a church have a responsibility to help us know how to live. Paul said, we are to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. We are supposed to live a daily life that is consistent with our spiritual life. We are supposed to live a daily life that can speak well of our spiritual life, if you will. In the book, The Connecting Church, the author says, The first Christians understood that a decision to follow Christ also included a decision to make the church the hub of their world. Even when it required the abandonment of existing social structures. Yale University professor Wayne Meeks makes this point based on his meticulous research of the early church. To be baptized into Jesus Christ signaled to Pauline converts an extraordinary, extraordinary, thoroughgoing re-socialization in which the sect was intended to become virtually the primary group for its members supplanting all other loyalties. Meaning, when you and I become a part of of the church, not a part of Antioch, But when we become a part of the church, that takes precedent over everything else in our lives. My first and foremost, and please understand when I say the church, I'm not talking about a church service. I'm talking about the church and what the church is. That takes precedent over everything else in my life. The solution in 2017 for the decline of religion and Christianity is not to eliminate all kinds of stuff and narrow it down to all kinds of convenient things. The the solution is to get back to the effectiveness. Hmm. Anybody? Anybody? How many? How many want to be apostolic? How many want to be apostolic? This is kind of a no-win because if you don't. I'm sucking you in, but if you don't if you don't raise your hand, you better hope Bishop's not watching the video. If you don't raise your hand, I, I mean, I, I want to be apostolic. Yeah, I want to be apostolic. There's a lot of things to be up about being apostolic. We talk about, but have you ever read Acts chapter two? Have you ever read what it says they did? It says. They went to the temple and house to house. D-A-I-L-Y. Daily. You don't need the message Bible to get that. It's what it says. You can get it straight out of the King James. They went daily. Why did they go daily to the temple and daily to houses? Because that was their world. That was their life. That was their family. Some of us 
have good family. We've been blessed with good natural family. But there's some of you here, when you got saved, you, your family was and is still a mess. But you have found a new family. You found a new family. Because that's what we are. And that's why I will say again, we need revival. I close with this. I remind you, I shared this a couple of weeks ago. Brother Bourne said this to me in Mississippi in the middle of August. God is going to do something in this church that is going to astound the state. I reread this today, a part of Brother Shelton's prophecy to us several months ago when he prophesied his entire message. I am going to reach the world by many languages from this very building. I've assembled people together to see to it that that can happen. Look at somebody and say, that's you. Look at somebody else and say, that's me. I am one of the ones that God has assembled to make sure it's going to happen. And He also said, I haven't forgotten my plans for this place. You and I are not here tonight by accident. We're not here. I know some of you don't usually come Sunday nights and you heard about the announcement of what was being, the vision being cast and you came. You're not here out of curiosity. You're not here out of curiosity. You're here because God drew you here. Because you've got a place and you've got a purpose and you've got a reason for being here. Paul said, I forget, I can't even remember the verse I preached that Sister Christina quoted, so, or at least the location, I know the verse. <laughs> Paul said in one of his epistles, in the New Testament, there we go, you're impressed now, aren't you? <laughs> he says, when the body is fitly framed, when the body is fitly framed, when each part is put together the way it's supposed to be, the natural result is that it grows. That's the product. That's the result of getting everything fitly put together. I, I just believe there's some of us that we've been a little bit out of place. We haven't been quite fit together the way we're supposed to be. But what God is doing, and by the help and grace of God, what we are trying to do is to help each one of us find where we are fitly framed. You've moved the mountains. And I believe you're going to do it again. You've made a way when there was no way. And I believe that your Spirit is propelling us, thrusting us into the fulfillment of those promises.
Brother Wright, I don't really hear anything different than what we're doing. Well, maybe to some degree, but one of the things that I believe is changing is becoming more on purpose with what we're doing. With making sure that we are doing what we're supposed to be doing. Making sure that you're not having to get trained for ministry by osmosis. Just by what you can catch. But doing our part to the best of our ability to equip you for what it is God has created you for. We've got postcards printed up. One side says thrust into the promises and the other side has the breakdown of what I've just shared with you tonight. I want every individual that has any ability to hear what I've said tonight to take one of these for yourselves. I want you kids to take one for yourself. This is not one per family. This is not one per, for just adults. I want every individual in this place tonight that is at all able to listen to anything I've said, I want you to take one of these and keep it for yourself. Did you not hear what was being said about Roar and Kids Ministry and Judah Tribe? It's about discipling and training and equipping kids to find their place in ministry in the kingdom. I don't know the best way to do this because I maybe will pause for right now. We've got brethren that are ready to pass these out. Somebody, whoever's Play, and if you'll come, I don't have a Bible to close. There has been such a powerful presence of God in this place tonight. During the worship, there was a manifestation of the presence of God in this place. It has not gone anywhere. God is still here. The bottom line in all of this, please hear me. I realize you're, you're getting a card, but please hear me. The bottom line of all of this is what has been started in the Spirit cannot be finished in the flesh. Please understand tonight, I'm not here to try to give you a program. I'm, I'm not here to try to present a program. I'm trying to present what are the tools and what are the ways in which we're going to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. But the bottom line is, without Him, we can do nothing. Without Him, we can do nothing. But with God, how many? Without Him we can do no thing, but with Him we can do all things. All things. On our own we can't accomplish anything. But He can accomplish anything through us. Revival cannot come by any other means than a supernatural move of God. You cannot do anything through a natural effort to produce revival. 
About two months ago, Brother Isaac Middleton sent this to me by text. He said, Pastor, I want to share something with you. The Holy Ghost moved on me this evening and the Lord gave me what I believe is a word for Antioch Central. He said that there is a season of birthing upon us that we must yield to or we will abort what He is trying to give us. He also said that as a byproduct of yielding to birthing for Antioch Central, new ministries will be birthed. People who don't have a ministry and are looking for one will have one birthed out of what he does in Antioch Central. I realize that at this present moment, there's not some great feeling of emotion. The Spirit of God that's been here all evening is still here. The last night of call to war, those of you that were here, there was a focus of prayer of travail. I believe, and Brother Isaac sent that text a couple of months ago, that was before all of this, but how powerful is it that God said He would birth new ministries? And I've said tonight, there are those of you that you don't know what your ministry is, but God has a ministry. There is something that's been going on the last several weeks at Antioch Central. God has been moving. God has been doing some great things. Brother Ennis Fuller, who's preached here before, was at Call to War. He and I were texting back and forth a little bit the other day. Totally off the subject, but in the middle of the text, he said, I felt the spirit of revival last week at Antioch. It's already here. It's already moving. God is already doing some things. But it's only the beginning. I guess this is a little bit of a step of faith, again, based on the lack of emotion that I feel right now, but it's what I feel to do. I feel like there's something more that God wants to birth in this place tonight as a part of this service. Brother Mott said it at the beginning of the service. He said what he felt. I didn't ask him. I didn't instruct him. But he communicated God wanted to do something that, or that this was a significant night. I believe there's something else that God wants to birth in this place tonight. So I'm going to ask this. I ask those of you right now that God has used in a ministry of travail, would you come stand down front? Please make your way down front. I realize the majority of this group is going to be ladies. That's not to say no men can come. But again, the ministry of travail is a ministry of birthing, and ladies are much more familiar with that. Sister Angie, Esther, would you stand over in the middle, please? Elizabeth, are you up here? Yeah. Sister Mott, join them, please. I forget what verse it is, what exact passage, but it's the prophet Isaiah that also says, As soon 
as Zion travailed, she brought forth. I look at God's timing. Can I be honest? And I would imagine some of you could share feeling the same way. But at times you look around at circumstances and situation and it's like, are we ever going to get there? Is anything ever going to happen? Is there any of you mothers that were ever pregnant that it kind of felt like sometimes, is this ever going to happen? And it did. I believe that we are at a very pivotal moment as a congregation. And that is meant in the most positive of ways. I keep wanting to say critical, but that sounds negative and it's not negative. I believe we are at a very pivotal moment that God is already doing, but God is about to do even more. So I'm going to ask you ladies, if you will, and a couple, there's brethren as well, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to leave you out. But I'm going to ask you for the next few moments to yield to that spirit of travail. In addition to ministries being birthed, I believe a spirit of revival. I am believing that a spirit of revival is going to be birthed in this place tonight afresh and anew in the name of Jesus Christ.
Come on, it's not about what you see, but I do believe you can feel something. It's not about what you can see, but I do believe in the Spirit. You can tap into something and feel it. I speak the birthing of ministries tonight. I speak the birthing of ministries in the lives of those that have been directionless, that have been wandering without knowing their purpose. Make it known, God. Reveal yourself. Reveal your plan and your purpose, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that's it ladies, there's a supernatural work being done. There's a supernatural work that's being done. Be it unto us according to your word, Lord. Be it unto us according to your word, Lord. Be it unto us according to your word. Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit, Lord. It's not by might, and it's not by power, but it's by your spirit, Lord. according to your word be it unto us according to your word hallelujah Not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, Lord. Not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit, Lord. We can't accomplish anything through our own means or efforts. We can't accomplish anything through our flesh, but your spirit. 
spirit can do it, God. Your spirit can do it, God. I speak the fulfillment of your word tonight that in this service right now there are new ministries that are being birthed. There are new ministries that are being birthed in this place tonight, God, according to your word. According to your word. According to your word. You have brought us together for such a time as this, God. You have divinely positioned each one of us. God, there's nobody in this place by accident. There's nobody here by coincidence, God. But you have specifically placed us in your body for your purpose, Lord. You've brought us. You've brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this. You've brought us to the kingdom, Lord, for such a time as this. Be it unto us according to your word. Be it unto us according to your word, Lord. Be it unto us according to your word, Lord. We stand tonight on your promises. We stand tonight, God, on the rhema that you have given us. Yes, 
you've done it before, God. I believe we'll see you do it again. You've done it before, God. I believe we'll see you do it again.
come on the Holy Ghost is working in this sanctuary would you be sensitive right now would you be responsive I believe God's birthing some things here tonight would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost if you're not responding or needing to respond for yourself would you let the Lord lead you right now Come on, God's doing something in this sanctuary right now. Don't miss out on your part. Don't miss out on your place in what God's doing and what God's going to do. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. If you're one of those ones that's lacking direction, you're not really sure what your place is. If you'd be willing to, why don't you just make your way down to this altar? Maybe you're already down here. But if you're here tonight and you'd acknowledge, Brother Wright, I need some direction. I need God to help me know what my place is. That's what the word of the Lord was weeks ago. The word of the Lord was that people were going to find their place. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Karamandaye alaramo sataya Kayarandolobo sataye I believe there's some people here tonight that part of what God wants to do for you is kind of narrow your focus You've got your hand in a bunch of pots but God's trying to focus you in on where he wants you God's trying to focus you in more specifically for what He's called you to. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Trust the power of your spirit tonight, God, to propel us. Propel us, God, into where you're taking us. Your spirit is able to overcome every obstacle. Your spirit is greater than any challenge that we face. 